podcast uses I'm profanity. I'm sorry, I need to go to the bathroom. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Heels podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Brianna. I'm Amanda. And welcome to, is this episode 29? Yeah, 29. Yeah. We're almost to the big 3-0, y'all. <laughs> I'm already there. I'm not. I'm, I'm the big 3-2. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you invert those numbers, it's just the 2-3. And if you add them, it's just 5. Yeah, even better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look at that. Okay. <laughs> How are you guys doing? I'm pretty good. Not much to say. Just kind of chilling. I feel like I say that every episode, but yeah. How's your pretty new typical. job? It's pretty good. Um, I like it a lot. And technically, I'm only a temp right now. So I'm only working for like three months total. And I'm hoping that they'll ask me back on because I like consecutively meet my sales goals. And I feel like I'm kind of a better sales associate than a lot of people who work there. But I can see that, though. I feel like you're just that type of person that not salesy, but for that type of environment where you're just super nice and you make people feel very comfortable, you know? Yeah, I've actually been told that by my mom. She told me that I would be really good in sales. And then I was like, no. I don't know if I really want to do that. I really want to do marketing. I just kind of want to go on, you know, the back end of things. I want to like work on my graphics. And then she's like, no, Brianna, you're going to be really good in sales. You love to interact with people. You love to do this. You love to do that. Like, okay. I I feel like marketing, marketing has a lot of interaction with people though, because it does, but it's more internally. Well, yeah. Produce like external messaging and emails and well right they, I, I understand what marketing does yeah but a lot of times different marketing groups will go out and they'll uh, meet with other customers for marketing like there's um, one gal from the clinic I used to work out she was part of the marketing team and all she would do was go to other clinics and basically market our providers kind of like, like that I think yeah so yeah. she was just networking. So there's a lot of networking in marketing still. Yeah. What well, about Amanda? Amanda? Oh, I've done absolutely nothing today. I tried to do the dishes. I put them all in the sink and ran some soapy water. And then somebody started crying. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right now they're just in some soapy water. They're soaking. There you go. <laughs> you started the dishes. Yes. <laughs> James can come back and finish them. Yeah, whenever he wakes up, I don't know. He's asleep. If he wakes up, who knows? He'll Does wake he up. work today? No. Woo, night off. I mean, I hope not. Either. <laughs> it's, he should have already left two hours ago, if that's oh. the case. <laughs> no, he came home and uh, cut the grass and weed-eated and stuff. So he's like sleeping late. I yeah. don't care. Wake up and cook dinner. Well, Maybe I've been, sa- dinner. I've been saving a story for you guys. About my shit show of a weekend. Hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I we have talked since then, but I've been saving it specifically for this occasion. <laughs> so, Saturday, I was supposed to go to my sister-in-law's and get my hair done. Because the color looked like shit. The hair, everything on my head looked like shit, okay? I mean, it, it was bad. And so, I was supposed to go Saturday. And I had peanut Saturday, right? Um, I had to return her to my parents then. But I woke up. 
And Maisie has a, a, she doesn't get crated at night anymore. She just sleeps on the bed or just jumps into her crate when she's sick of me rolling around. And so I woke up, <clears throat> let Peanut out, and I walk out into the living room. And I could have killed someone. Oh, no. Maisie had just chewed up my brand new fucking glasses. My only pair. I was so mad. I was like panicking because I'm like, I can't do anything. I can't go to this hair appointment. I can't work. If I order through the um, company we normally order through, it's going to be weeks before I get them. Like just full on panic. Like I'm not dumb. I'm like, I can't. I can't function. And Cody's like, okay, well, chill. (laughs) And so we Google like same day eyeglasses and (laughs) we find a place near us that's called Eyeglass World. And we go over there with the broken glasses. And I'm like, please help me. (laughs) I don't know what to do. (laughs) But here's the other part is I also know that my prescription is so strong. Most places that advertise same day still can't do same day. Like, it's just not going to happen. This eye. And this was the weekend too, right? Yeah. So it's even worse. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got there right at nine as they opened. And... The poor lady, she was the only one there. And there were, like, just so many people already there at 9 in the morning. Bless her. She was awesome. She's like, okay, well, let's see if we can find frames that fit the lenses. Because she hadn't chewed up the lenses. She had just royally chewed up the frames. So we find some frames. And we start talking to her. And she's like, well, let's get you some new glasses. Because there's still a couple little bite marks on it and stuff. And so she's like, well, let's get your prescription in so we can order you a new prescription. My prescription's expired, of course. You mofos. That's, that's, yeah, pretty par for the course when something like this happens. Yeah. Yeah. So then she's trying to call the doctor's office and I'm like, oh, I could have told you they're not open on a Saturday. <laughs> they're, they're strictly Monday through Friday. I'm not dumb. So we're over there trying to talk about options and I'm like, go help some other customers. I'll, I'll talk to Cody for a minute and see what our options are. And I finally just go to, get online and they happen to have a same day opening with their optometrist there. So I just scheduled it and I'm like, I'll be back. This sweet little lady, let me take the glasses, like the frames home with me without paying for them. I was like, that is a lot of damn trust, ma'am. That's a lot of trust. Give her, you need to send her a Christmas card with Maisie front and center. Maisie wearing the glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But then, so she lets me walk out. So those are the glasses I have on my face. And then I'm supposed to meet my parents. They're like, let's just meet at this Winco and no big deal. It's about halfway and you watched our dog. So we'll meet wherever. And they call me and go, actually, can you meet us in Ikea? Our car, because they were coming from the airport. Our car's battery keeps dying. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I'll meet you guys at Ikea. So I go over to Ikea, drop off the puppy. But on top of that, I thought, oh, I'll bring Maisie uh, so that the big dogs get a break from the little ones. Like, they're sick of them. Bad <laughs> idea. Very bad idea. Because this little bitch, she was getting very jealous of Peanut by that time. She was done with her. And we're in the car driving. Maisie's sitting on my lap, which is normal. She sits on my lap when I drive. Fine. No, it's not the safest, but whatever. She doesn't bug me. So we're driving, but Peanut's trying to all of a sudden get on my lap. And Maisie freaks out. There's a full-on little yippy dog fight on my lap. And I'm like, get off! I'm driving here! Ugh. Anyways. 
The rest of the day went rather quickly. I got home, dropped Maisie off, went, got my eyes checked. And because I was so upset and cranky, I went back to Barnes and Noble and bought more books. You deserved them. Yes. So I think I've already shown you the books. You have to treat yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yes. I think I've already shown you guys the books. Haven't I? Yeah. Sure. There, there were two that were the, the mythology ones, the yeah, African mythology and the Japanese. Those are in my bedroom because I've started reading them. Um, and then I bought this one. <laughs> Ooh. Who is that about? Uh, Amy Archer Gilligan. I already called dibs. I bought the book. I called dibs. <laughs> and then I also bought this one. It's not a true crime one. Okay. We'll let but, it slide. Yeah. So. And then, to top that all off, so my sister-in-law is like, let's just do Sunday to do my hair. And I'm like, okay, but I have to drop Cody off at one at the airport. He was a little late, but he made it on the plane. <laughs> That's all that matters. So, it was a long weekend. I was very excited when Bree's like, can we push back the recording? <laughs> like, yes. What a really rough, rough weekend. Oh, yeah. I never told y'all about my wreck. Oh, no, we haven't heard anything about it. Oh, yeah. So I-35 always has a wreck somewhere, someplace, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Isn't that all roads, though? All big roads. All all interstates, yeah, definitely. But I-35 specifically because it runs through Texas. (laughs) That's like the road. Yeah. You know the saying about Texas drivers, right? No. So that Texas... Drivers are terrible drivers. Oh, I thought that was like every state. I thought that was a Utah thing. No, literally. I thought it was Arkansas. (laughs) Well, in Arkansas, I literally heard so many people be like, oh, they've got a Texas license plate. No wonder they're such a bad driver. Have you ever thought they were just talking about you? Oh, damn. No, because I was in the car with them. (laughs) Just (laughs) easy. Anyways, it wasn't that bad. I have my car now. Um, we just had to tow it. I think they were probably only going, like, they probably slowed down, but they, like, couldn't slow down anymore, I think. And so in Texas on the highway, there's, like, a, um, there's essentially a shoulder on the left-hand side and on the right-hand side for when this shit happens, because it happens all the time. No joke. Um, you know, I was going 70 miles an hour, and there was, like, a full stop, like, maybe 50 feet in front of me I don't know but I had to slow down like immediately the person behind me was like literally tailgating me had to slow down immediately they ended up pulling into the shoulder road but they still like bumped my car and it still like brought out the airbag and stuff and it was I mean it's the car is still doing good it was actually this car that I'm driving right now was believed to be total at one point and it's not it wasn't so it's been through a lot. Is it the first car that you've ever got? No, actually. that's. A, I mean, it's a different story, but um, short story. I used to have a Hyundai Elantra. And, you know, I was driving to and from Texas. My parents kind of wanted me to get a four-wheel drive because I was only a back-wheel, front-wheel drive. And um, when this car that I'm currently driving was believed to be totaled, they put, it was my sister's car at the time. They put a down payment on another car. Um, 
and I got the blue Subaru and my sister got the red Subaru. So I essentially got my sister's old car. So it's technically my second car, but it's still my parents because they still pay the insurance and stuff on it. So that first car you get, it, it takes forever to die. Oh, yeah. I've went airborne in mine and didn't have a front end by the time it was done, but she kept kicking. I Googled and um, out of our three states, Arkansas is the worst for drivers. Woohoo! I knew it. Shit. Uh, Then Tennessee, then Utah. They don't even know how to pull into the Walmart or the uh, McDonald's or we don't eat McDonald's, so that's not that big a deal. But like the McDonald's and the Wendy's drive through in our city, they don't even know how to use it correctly. Like, they block traffic. And you're sitting there like, y'all are stupid. Oh, my God. (laughs) You should literally go to Fayetteville and look at the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. It sucks. Okay, so, I mean, given it's, like, literally it's always packed. But you essentially go around and, you know, you, like, come out this way. But no, no, no. There are literally cars backed up, like, to the fucking other light over here. Like, I mean, it's terrible. Terrible. Okay, do we want to get into true crime? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, let's go. Um, I was ready. I didn't hear. So first off, before I even start this story, I'd like to thank Caleb Horton from Vox for providing so much information regarding this case. And all the information he provided is just amazing. He went into so much depth. So if you want to research this story even more, although I do kind of take a deep dive into it, you're more than welcome to just look up Fox, Chow Chill, and it, it'll come up. Okay. So on to the crime. And y'all are going to hate me for this, but I kind of made this story so that first you have the entire crime and then you have the suspects. So yeah. Isn't that just, normal? What? Isn't that normal? No, sometimes no, suspects I, come before the crime. Yeah, I usually kind of do it to where it's like mixed, but I don't know. Okay, here we go. So it was a warm summer day on July 15th of 1976, and nothing seemed out of the ordinary in Chowchilla, California, about 150 miles southeast from San Francisco. Ed Ray was a bus driver at the time and drove 26 kids to a local swimming pool. Y'all can go ahead and look at the first two pictures. I think the first one is labeled Ed Ray, and the second one is just labeled kids. And I think Ed Ray is also in that picture as well. The second one. He is reported as being loved by all of the kids. He's reported as being reliable. Everyone essentially knew him. It was just a small town at that time. And yeah, that's really all there is to say. After dropping them off, he continues on his normal routes and he comes back to pick up the kids. When he turns on Avenue 21, he sees a white 71 Dodge van blocking the road with its doors open. He tried to pull around it, but as soon as he did, a man wearing overalls and pantyhose over his face jumped in front of the bus with a revolver. Wait, he was wearing what? He was wearing overalls and a 
and pantyhose over his face. So like oh, you couldn't okay. see over his, his identity. I, you yeah. didn't say that part. So I'm like, why the I hell did, do I care? I did. Over his I was, face. I definitely I did. You got to go back to the recording. I was like, why does he have overalls and pantyhose on his face? <laughs> right. So you didn't. I don't think you said <laughs> oh, on okay. his face. He has overalls on. He's got pantyhose <laughs> over his face. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. This makes much more sense. <laughs> yes. I'm following better. The man walks to the driver's side window and asks Ed, would you open the door, please? No. no. Now, Ed has a full bus of kids, and he doesn't want any harm to come to them. As I said, he's literally loved by all of these kids, and he really doesn't want to let him down, so he let them down, so he just opens it. Two more men with the same outfit jump in the bus, one with a rifle, and he pointed it directly at Ed. Everyone on, their bu- on the bus, scared for their lives, run to the back of it. The one without the gun starts to drive, and the one with the revolver jumps into the van and follows him. They drive about a mile down the road and park the bus in a bamboo thicket. Twelve of the kids were ushered into the white van, and Ray and the other 14 kids are forced into the back of a second van. The windows in the back where they were told to get in were blacked out, and this was just pitch black. No one could see anything. It's reported that the kids started singing songs such as, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, to make them feel better. But it was... Rip out my heart. It was just really a terrifying time for everybody. No one knew what was coming. Back in town, parents started getting worried after the kids did not come home. 15 minutes passed, 30 minutes passed, nothing. It was all over television almost immediately. People started driving around the county looking for the missing kids, the bus, the driver, anything that could point them in the right direction. By about 6.30, about two and a half half hours after the kids were seen, the sheriff had a plane in the air searching for just something, anything that could point them in the right direction. A couple hours later, the bus was found by a police sergeant, but was completely empty. That night, many parents and worried townspeople gathered to the square to hold a vigil. Special forces were held, special services were held across the town, not special forces. I don't know why I said that. Forget that. Special services for the kids and the bus driver were held across the town. President Gerald Ford even gets involved and tells law enforcement agencies to literally do anything in their power to find these missing kids and bus driver. The California governor at the time, Jerry Brown, does the same, and even the FBI comes in, about 50 of them, I believe, and literally does anything that they can. They end up filling the only two motels in the town full of just FBI agents. So this is, this essentially becomes a nationwide search. During this time, Ed and the kids are driven to Livermore, about 100 miles away and reportedly 11 hours away. Now, I'm not 100% sure how 100 miles can transfer to 11 hours. Maybe it was just the whole confrontation, then driving, then ushering the kids, ushering everybody else, but essentially it all came out to 11 hours. 
So it's now 3.30 in the morning and the car finally stops at a rock quarry. Not long after, the doors to the van swing open with two guys waiting for them. Ed is the first out. He's asked for his name and to take off his pants and his boots. Ed is given a flashlight and told to go down a hole with a ladder in it. Above grounds, the kids' names were written on an old jack-in-the-box bag, and three men started to roll call everyone, I guess just to make sure that all of them were there. The kids were stripped and sent down the hole to join Ed. While in there, Ed starts to wonder if the ceilings will cave in and essentially suffocate anyone. It was described as an underground moving van, not When I first read this, I thought it was an actual moving van underground. No, it's a moving van, not a moving van. Does that make sense? Like they buried a U-Haul. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it wasn't a U-Haul. It was something else. Y'all can go ahead and go to the third picture now, too. There were two air shafts, which were essentially just hoses that ran above ground to a tree. A few mattresses laid on the ground, and there was barely enough food to go around. Some holes were also carved out of the underground hole for toilets. After all the kids were inside, the ladder was taken out and a steel plate slid over the entrance and weighed down by two 100-pound tractor batteries. The police in Chowchilla got a call around 7 p.m. This is the previous night, by the way. Around 7 p.m. from an anonymous woman who directed them to the quarry. She said, Livermore can become famous. Later in the night, Mayor Jim Dumas's wife got a call from another anonymous caller saying, the children will be found, but there will be others. It's not over. Now, 100 miles away, 27 people were buried in a moving van and struggling to breathe. Time was critical. And despite these mysterious phone calls, the police had nowhere to even start. The callers left no motive, no reason. They really had nothing to go off of. The kidnappers also forgot to deliver a ransom note, which they were meant to. They sound like professionals. Yeah, I feel like they'd be fired from their jobs. Like if this were like a whole organization, they'd be going to their boss and being like, yeah, um, we got, we we did half of it, but we, we forgot. Trust me, trust me. It's not these people. I'll, I'll get into it later. Assigned to the case was Madera County Sheriff Ed Bates, and I know we already have an Ed in this story, so from now on, I'm going to refer to the sheriff as Bates. Now, if anyone could catch these guys, it would be him. He was ruthless. Now, the night, bef- the night of the kidnapping, a lightning struck and took the electricity with it. Parents lit candles, played board games with their kids, and just tried to reassure them that everything was going to be okay. The people gathered at the Ray family ranch, and Ed Ed Ray, the bus driver, they left the TV on the entire night just to keep the news on. They needed to know of any progress made in finding the children and finding Ed. And as I said, the bus was found empty about a quarter mile east of Pete Cornegie's dairy barn. I'm guessing that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, this sinking feeling was just getting to everyone. The fear that someone was dead, 
just complete dread, but soon this turned into anger. Many people questioned Ed's integrity. Could he have done it? That's really all they had to go off of at this point. Nobody had anything. Late into the night, the kidnapped children's parents and some other townspeople gathered at the firehouse. Bates called the jail to bring bologna sandwiches, which was really all they had. And the fire department passed out coffee, churches donated desserts. Bates stood up in front of the parents and said, let me tell you something. No one is going to try and get away with hurting 26 children and a bus driver. Where are they going to hide them? Where are they going to put them? They have to be, they have to take care of them somehow. If you had a herd of ducks, you'd have to keep them somewhere. Whoever did this doesn't want to hurt your children. They want money and you haven't got money. They're going to ask the government to provide it. Nobody else has money like that. I'm feeling like he might be talking a little soon because... I don't know. That's just... That's a lot of promises to make to parents to say no one wants to really... They just want money. They're not going to hurt your kids. Well, yeah. At this point, they really didn't know. But he kind of just had the hunch based off of other, I guess, crimes in the area. I don't know. In Livermore... Ed Ray and his 26 passengers had been in the dark for 15 hours at this point. They were underground for 15 hours. Can they hear? Do you know? Can I hear like what's going on on the outside or anything? Don't know. Because they are like borderline like sensory deprived. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. On top of the fact that they're running out of oxygen, that's like, that's, that's, I don't like it. Mm Mm-mm. They're all half naked and sweating constantly, trying to sleep, crying, exhausted. Even Ed had been losing hope and had tears in his eyes. Now, for the past five hours, two of the older boys, Mark Ma- Mike Marshall, age 14, and Robert Gonzalez, age 10, teamed up with Ed to stack the mattresses and use all the energy they had left to remove the weighted metal plate on top of the hole and try to push away the tractor batteries. Ed was worried though that the kidnappers might still be there holding guns and just kind of awaiting their escape. Then Mike sees a steel plate budge just a little and he sees this thin line of starlight. Around 8 p.m. they finally get it open and 8 p.m. on July 16th, Ed Ray, in his underwear, lead the children down a dirt road to a nearby grain elevator. A quarry employee was finishing up a welding job. He saw the kids in the distance and, assuming they were trespassing, sounded the alarm. Ed ran to the tower as fast he could. He said, as loud as he could, we're the ones from Chowchilla. And as soon as he said that, the employee knew i mean this was only a hundred miles away it was a nationwide search at this point everybody knew he gave ed a pepsi and he gave him some overalls to cover himself have some decency sir he he knew that they were all kidnapped so cover your modesty okay make sure your (laughs) garments are covered so Back in Chowchilla, the news was already coming in, and by midnight, a crowd of hundreds of people gathered at the fire stations, at the police station, waiting for Ed and the children to return. 
Ed and the kids were loaded into a red, white, and blue Greyhounds and escorted to the Santa Rosa Correctional Institution for food, clothing, and a health evaluation. Four hours later, around four in the morning, the Greyhound pulled into... What? Is that... Does that like a weird place to take them instead of like a so hospital from, or a correction facility? Yeah. Is that so just the closest? From what I understand, I mean, Bates, the sheriff officer literally asked the local like jail to provide bologna sandwiches for everybody so from what i understand it's just kind of a small town and they couldn't really ask like a restaurant to do that because it's a small town they probably don't get much business well well, i didn't say a i would assume a hospital Um, over anything else where they could get properly evaluated um, this is 1976 yeah so i would still think hospital that's just where they where they went, I guess. Um, Four hours later, around four in the morning, the Greyhound pulled into the back alley behind the police station. Everyone was so excited to see them, and they ran towards their children. Ed came out last and spoke to the reporters. He said, We was ordered down into this van, buried in the rock. They gave us this flashlight. It was dark down there. All we had to eat was a couple bags of tater chips and Cheerios. He said Cheerios, not Cheerios. Tater chips and Cheerios. I was like, Brie, that's not how you say it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, okay, so at least we know they weren't sensory deprived because they had yeah, a tater light. chips. Yeah, and tater chips and Cheerios. I don't know if that really is what we're talking about with sensory <laughs> deprivation, but. Taste is um, a sense. I was going to say, I guess taste is a sense, but. There you go. Taking a little too far there, Amanda. Either way, I love Ed. Ed for president. Mm-hmm. Continuing his quote, they put a couple mattresses and box springs in there for us to sit on. We took the flashlight and shined it around. Me and a couple of the older kids figured the only way out was the way we came in, but we didn't have no ladder. We stacked up those mattresses and box springs to reach the hole. They'd put a piece of plywood over the hole. We tried to push it off. It was too heavy, but we could tell there was some dirt showing round the edges. Ronnie was a reporter at the time and said in these exact quotes, Ed's sole purpose during this whole episode was the safety of the kids. He saw it as his job to get those kids home safe. That's why when they pulled a gun on him, he stayed put. Ed was a strong enough man that one blow from his fist would have laid those guys out, end quote. And I thought this was kind of special to put in. Um, Mayor Dumas planned Ed, Ray, and Children's Day to honor them with a parade and about 7,500 pounds of barbecue beef. The president was invited, President Ford as well. That honestly sounds like the perfect way if y'all ever want to commemorate me do it with 700 pounds of barbecue no 7500 pounds 7500 pounds do it with 8000 pounds of barbecue <laughs> does it matter what type of barbecue can it be like barbecue it could be barbecue or ostrich for all i care okay Just y'all barbecue barbecue emu yes yeah but i hear um <laughs> i hear it might take a good couple bullets uh, I just heard it takes a couple teenagers on bikes with that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, tell us about Ed and Kids Day. Well, that that's all the information I have, really. 
Um, yeah. well, but I know that it was a huge parade and they all danced around and it was really a blast. I mean, literally the president of the United States came. So it, it must have been a blast, right? Um, but now I'm going to pull in Amanda and I'm going to put the next pictures in. I know that she said two birds, one stone. That is not this, but. She never said two birds, oh, no, one not, stone. Oh, no, not that. She said one, two one, punch. Two, that's it. That's it. Yeah, two punches, two fists. Yeah. <laughs> one punch, one fist, one punch the other. Okay. For the knockout. So I believe in both of these photos, the person that I'm about to talk to is the middle one. It looks like it, yeah. Okay. Talk to or talk about? Talk about. Did I say talk to? Yeah. The Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk to them. Yeah, calling them up on the phone okay. right now. Ring, ring, ring. Hello. Just okay, kidding. Have fun with that. <laughs> okay. Um, I will. Thank you. Frederick Newhall Woods the Fourth was 22, 20. Frederick Newhall Woods the Fourth was 24 and described as funny looking with long gold hair and a goofy mustache. Fred's dad owns an estate in the wealthy Bay Area town of Portola Valley called the Hawthorns at 79 acres. Today, it's said to be one of the richest towns in America. Think of getting a brand new car for your high school graduation, Rich. Brand new. Um, one night, Fred decided to watch Dirty Harry. This is a film. Dirty Harry. <laughs> it's it's a film. Heard of that film. Um, Sounds dirty. It shows someone hijacking a school bus in the Bay Area and asking for a ransom and flight out of Santa Rosa before fleeing to a quarry and holding a kid at gunpoint. Sound familiar? Um, Fred decides he can do this too. Even though he literally has $100 million waiting for him in his parents' trust fund. Oh, Fred. Fred, you were set for life with a goofy mustache. Just calm it down. But besides the point, Does he, have he a didn't goofy want to wait. <laughs> he doesn't have a goofy mustache. He's said to be obsessed with cars, and he wanted his new car now and was willing to do anything to get it. Oh my gosh. He, Those type of people. I know, right? <laughs> That's me. I'm that type of person that can't wait for things. Somebody should have made him sit in a corner when he was younger. You oh, never no, had to really got anything he wanted. Yeah, his parents were yeah. rich as fuck. Yeah. He never put his nose in a corner as a child and it shows. I never put my nose in a corner. I just had to sit in a corner. Did you literally have to sit in the corner putting your nose up to the corner? Yeah, we weren't allowed to talk or sleep. I tried. You tried to sleep in the corner? Yeah. What else am I going to do? We just, we just got sent to our rooms. Yeah, same. No. Also, it's because my parents didn't want to see us or hear us whine. So go to your room. Oh, no. I was the loudest one. I would literally kick and scream in my room. I would pound on my door as loud as I could. I would stomp. Oh, they could hear me. We got locked outside. (laughs) I got my ass whooped. (laughs) Yeah, also, we got our asses whooped. Yeah, I was a loud There was none of that. You would (laughs) not have liked me. Okay, anyways. um, He and his friends, who were brothers... David and James decided to plan their heist. Um, Those are the other two men in both the photos. They wanted $5 million. James later said in an interview, 
I kept thinking, you know, the state's got more money than it needs. They won't miss $5 million. And I wasn't going to commit any crime, risk my life, or risk my reputation for anything less than a million. So a bank robbery wouldn't work. A drug deal wouldn't work. How about you get a job? Or even just That's wait hard. for your money? I don't like him. I'm still waiting for my trust fund to kick in. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently mine's like tied up in foreign funds or something. Mine know. too. Something like that. Uh, the, the Anna Delvey? Yeah. Are you pulling the Anna Delvey, Amanda? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Um, that's, I feel like that's literally going to be a thing now. Are you pulling the Anna Delvey? <laughs> yeah, you know, my, my, I'm sorry, you know, my dad will take care of it all. He'll wire you the money, overnight it to you, whatever you need. Okay. Yeah, just Anyways, we're not talking steal. about that case right now. Yeah, just don't steal a bunch of kids in a bus. Yeah. And right. Ed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and Ed. Ed. I know. He was so caught up in all of this. As a bus driver, he went above and beyond. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, essentially, the logic behind this heist was they needed to take multiple hostages for multiple millions. And not just any hostage. They needed to take children because those are the most precious. They wanted the most money. They had to take the most people, the most precious people. That's necessarily how that works. Like, I'm seeing where their logic is, is, but couldn't you, like... So, James actually wrote down their entire plan in his notebook. You ready to oh, hear it? Of course he oh, did. No. Rick and Fred will board the bus. Rick will disable the bus driver with chloroform, and Fred will drive the bus to the hidden location where Fred keeps an eye on the bus. Rick will escort the two kids by the two vans where Jim is waiting. My guess is Jim is James. I know a bunch of Jims who go by a bunch of James who go by Jim. So it's a common nickname for him. Yeah. Watch for kids making a run for it. Count the kids exclamation mark. Next paragraph. Conceal the kids. Hide the vans. Go somewhere else. These guys are a bunch of clowns. Wait, no, just, just wait. From there, Rick will get a plane to take James to a small, uncontrolled airport like Lodi. They'll meet Fred, who will hijack the plane. Then, <laughs> Rick. Hey, so now we're not just doing kidnapping, we're hijacking planes. Then, Rick and Fred load the dummies into the plane with parachutes and an extra parachute, of course. Jim is taking possession of the money, thus a state-employed secretary will be appointed to bring the money in three brown paper parcels and instructed to... That's it. They don't finish the sentence. Because it was a stupid plan. Somebody gave them a reality check. Hopefully, yeah. Jesus. Like, you're also going to hijack a plane? Do any of you know how to fly said plane? (laughs) What is this, D.B. Cooper? Things could only wish. Only wish. Another section of the notebook details kind of general stuff that they needed to remember. They wanted to burn the book. They forgot. To get an infrared to see at night. They didn't. Because he didn't have his trust fund money for that. They wanted to get a vote for, wait for it, R-E-G-A-N. Reagan. Reagan. Reagan? Vote for Reagan. No, not, not Reagan. Reagan. Yeah, it, they, that's their spelling. They wanted the bumper sticker to be anonymous. And 
for other the bumper sticker to be anonymous. This hurts. Um, it's painful. They wanted to ask for used bills. Um, they weren't going to spend the money for seven years. They wanted to get an x-ray truck with gas masks and lead vests. Wait, 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 wait. If they weren't going to spend this, the money for seven years, then what, what use was it doing that if he's going to get his trust fund? Yeah. I, I don't This, he seems like the kind of person that thinks they are like way more intelligent than they actually are. That's the vibe I get from this guy. He says, and this is a direct quote um, from the box article that I read. And in the heaviest lift a parenthetical has ever had to do to pick up the money using an illusion like magic. (laughs) (laughs) They forgot to do that too, by the way. Stupid. I don't ever want to be associated with these people. Oh, just wait. Are they it still gets alive? Better. Are they still alive? Are they still in jail? Because I need a pen pal. It, it, gets, it gets better. Oh. I, uh, she said suspects. She didn't say they were arrested <laughs> for this. Um, so it was poorly planned from the get-go, obviously. <laughs> it was planned by teenagers. And they literally... fantasy world. They were so used to getting everything that they wanted. Everything they asked for in life. So why not get this too you know why not just make magic a thing in the world we'll just poof money into existence anyways they continued with the plan oh my god in the fall of 1975 so this is roughly about a year before the heist fred james and rick bought three surplus shore patrol vans in alameda and moved them to a warehouse in san jose they went to Fred's quarry to build to bury one of the moving vans. They cut holes in it for vents and for toilets, and they reinforced the ceiling with lumber so it wouldn't collapse after it's buried. I mean, that seems like a smart move. Yeah. Maybe they're not as dumb as we thought, but... They decided that the $5 million should be delivered to a drop site in the Santa Cruz Mountains. They bought an x-ray machine from a Navy surplus disposal station in Alameda in case the ransom money was bugged in some form or fashion. They also made homemade, vil- homemade bulletproof vests with scrap metal. And Fred rented a trailer in Reno for a safe house. He ends up getting a passport under a fake name, Ralph Snyder. And he bought a printing calculator to count the ransom money when it was received. They're causing more wrinkles on my forehead. A year and a half later, 27 people were buried in a ditch. To this day, it's still unclear exactly what happens after the kidnappers buried everyone alive. We know that on Friday night, when the word started to spread that the children were missing, so on July 15th, um, there was... Some phone tag among the three men after they found that one of the children had escaped. And they all agreed it was just time to run. They they didn't want anything to do with anything anymore. They just wanted to run. They Why not release them first and then run? Be yeah. like, we are going to let you be. You're out. Give us a five minute head start. Bye. Um, 
they essentially left in the middle of the night with packed duffel bags. James and Fred in one car, Rick in the other. And they went off to a remote warehouse off I-280 where they just left their vans. Once they parked, um, they just kind of knew it was over. They knew that the heist was over. They knew that they couldn't get the ransom money. They were just kind of scared. They were kids. I mean, literally kids. Shortly after grabbing whatever they needed from the warehouse, James and Fred sped off into the night in a 1963 Chrysler toward the trailer in Reno that would serve as home base until they went off to their final escape. Their destination was Canada for their final escape. Um, but Rick just decided to go home. He was like, I'm done with this shit. I don't want this anymore. This was not my plan in the first place. I wanted the $5 million. So whatever y'all are doing, just do it. But you in it now. No, he ain't. Not you anymore. You are just going to go home and oh, yeah, mommy and is. daddy are going to be like, oh, it is so okay. Just go back to your room. Just, I'll just make wait. you some just soup. Wait. Just wait for that. Just wait uh. for that. He already decided that he turned himself in. Um, he confessed to his dad. And like any rich dad would do, he bought a, a lawyer. Um, this lawyer was- He bought a lawyer. Yeah, I would like I mean, one lawyer, please. I, he set him up with a lawyer. Can I get that on Amazon? <laughs> you can prime it. It'll be here tomorrow. Should I wish. Um, this lawyer was in part why no one knows how these three spent the hours between when they pushed the tractor batteries over the giant hole they dug up and when Ed and the kids pushed them off. No one really knows what they did. Were they counting money with their counting machine? They didn't have the money. They didn't have the ransom. They they forgot to deliver the ransom note, girl. It wasn't even a counting machine. It was a calculator with a printer on it. This is a shit show. It's what (laughs) this is. They suck. They didn't watch that movie. They should have watched it twice instead of just once. Bye. I think they might have needed to watch it several times. (laughs) By the 19th, law enforcement traced the kidnapped van. Bates found an FBI agent and asked him about trying to track the others and hopefully the other kidnappers as well. Quick question. I'm sorry. You said by the 19th? Mm Mm-hmm. And when did they lawyer up? Mm, This was probably... My guess is that he... So we know that on the 16th, um, everyone was returned home. Or maybe it was like the 17th, like early in the morning. Or it was like midnight, I think. About four hours later, yeah. So it was about midnight. And then... That was on the 17th. So this is probably 17th night or 18th night that um, he lawyered he lawyered up. So even before he on Amazon, he probably bought it on the 17th. Didn't get it till the 19th. Yeah, he primed With it. Prime, but, you know, you know, one one day delivery. You can't always get it overnight. So they got a lawyer though, but they still haven't gone to the police. From what I understand, he has. Okay, 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 okay. And that's how they found the van. Okay, I got you. Yeah. By the 22nd, Fred Woods was officially named a suspect. 
By the 23rd, the undelivered ransom note was found. It said, your bus has been kidnapped. <laughs> your bus. Hold on. It the bus, bus has now? not been kidnapped. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like not kidnapping. That's a high, not a heist. Um, gosh, what's I just, I called verbiage? it a heist. I don't, I don't know. Hijack. Um, uh, they carjacked them. Yeah, carjack. Bus jack. Hijack, carjack. Yeah. Bus jacked you. <laughs> we bus jacked you. <laughs> Anyways, um, it also claims that they're members of an unknown satanic cult called Beelzebub, but they spell it wrong. Beelzebub? No. They spell it instead of B E E L or. B E E. How do they spell it? They spelt it with an S and not a Z. God, they can't <laughs> even worship the devil right. <laughs> God. What can they do right? The other vans were found soon after. In Chowchilla, Judge Howard Green set the bail at $1 million, taking into account the wealthy background of all of the suspects. The next day, Rick surrendered in Oakland with his dad and lawyer present. So Amanda, no, he had not gone to the police before that because he surrendered the next day. What the, what the? Meanwhile, a nationwide hunt was on for James and Fred. There were sightings of them in Tennessee, but nothing really ended up going through. After the kids escaped, Fred and James drove to their safe house in Reno. Then, using Fred's fake passport... Did they not realize that someone's already rat them out? Oh, just, just wait. Um, you, oh, wait, at this time, this is still the 16th or the 17th, so this is before that. So I'm kind of going back and forth, but essentially they drove to the safe house. Fred, using his fake passport, flew to Vancouver leaving James behind. <laughs> what happened to no man left behind? Oh, just, just wait. Um, yeah, James for fled a plane to... plane ticket. I thought they were hijacking the plane. Yeah, I, I don't... It, the plan all fell through. Yeah, they it can't hijack the plane because he left the notebook at home. So they're just flying by the seat of their pants. That's when you just don't do it and make They, f- they forgot about it because they left the notebook behind. He didn't have all his notes. Oh, God. <laughs> Please don't forget your plans, your checklist. Yeah, if you're going to be dumb enough to leave a paper trail, take it with you. <laughs> so you don't forget what you're doing. <laughs> James fled to Kuer Dalin, Idaho. I think that's how you pro- I, I don't think that's how you pronounce it, actually. Kuer Dalin, that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Um, Idaho, because it was essentially very close to the border. But on the 18th, when he tried to go to Canada, um, he was turned away by border control because his car was filled with guns. Oh my god, I can't. (laughs) I told y'all you would love this story. I literally told y'all yesterday. Okay. He then drove to Spokane to sell his guns. Spokane. It's Spokane. Oh, my bad. Spokane. Um, to sell his guns at a sporting goods store and, again, attempted to enter Canada. 
Um, he was refused because apparently Fred left two pistols in the center console and two rifles in the trunk that James somehow missed. How many guns how? did they have? And how big was this car? Girl, I don't know. It was a van. What? Just fucking get a new car. Oh. Walk. Walk across the border. Oh, wait, no. It was, it was the 63 Chrysler. Walk across the border. No, walk off a point. cliff at this point. Walk to. Oh, okay, just keep going. I hope this is all a dream. He, this didn't actually happen. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's one of Amanda's um, April Fool's jokes. Sorry about that. That's the end of the story. It's too late for that. Sorry. <laughs> um, he turns back to Kor Al- Aline and sold the guns. And he ditched the 63 Chrysler for a 1950s Chrysler van. Why do you need a van? You have <laughs> one person. Essentially, Get a scooter, a, lot- a bike, a skateboard, anything, rollerblades. A, a lot donkey. else happens kind of between this. <laughs> On rollerblades. <laughs> a lot else happens between this, but essentially it's all just kind of that dumbass stuff that I mean, it. You you get the point. They're dumb kids. They don't know what they're doing. But on July twenty fifth, nineteen seventy seven, Woods and the Schoenfelds, which is Rick and James, pleaded guilty on twenty seven counts of kidnapping for ransom without inflicting bodily injury, and therefore reversing their initial pleas. In exchange, the prosecution dropped the 18 counts of armed robbery against them. Yeah, there were 18 counts. What? For the five charges of kidnapping with bodily harm, the three pleaded not guilty and therefore a trial was started. The trial began in Oakland in the fall. The first witness on the stand was Ed Ray and he gave a straightforward account of what happened. Then all the kids testified. One 10-year-old said, it started to get hard to breathe. All I thought was the whole thing was going to cave and we'd be squished. A 10-year-old said that. Oh my God. All of the kids ended up testifying and the trial ended on December 15th, 1977. The judge essentially said that the children's testimony was enough. The level of terror they survived constituted bodily harm. The chances of parole was out of the question. But we know how rich these people are. Um, their lawyers, Rich does not equal that you should be able to buy your way out of anything. Oh, their lawyers literally had, con- had many, many years of just legal maneuvering. And eventually... All suspects became eligible for parole. And the conviction no. of bodily harm charges was eventually overturned. What the? Yeah. Rich people suck. I'm kidding. If you're rich, that's totally fine. But just don't be stupid about it. Wait for your trust funds. Be a good parent. Regardless of, regardless of how much money you have, just be a parent. And don't bring up children like this. Yeah. You know what? I can't. It might not just be the parents, though. Like, it could just be that they're freaking stupid. Yeah, you could just be shitheads. Okay, y'all, I'm <laughs> yeah. almost done. Fred was given seven years to life in prison. He got out in seven months. He got out in <laughs> two months. 
God I'm kidding. It. I'm fucking kidding. I'm kidding. It's, get out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you leave now. The Schoenfeld brothers, Rick and James, are out now. They were apparently model prisoners, just doing everything they were told, all of that jazz. Um, Fred has been denied parole 15 times as a result of being the mastermind behind the entire heist. Back in 2021, it came out that he was running a used car dealership in, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Tehapachi? Te, te, no. Tehachapi. Tehachapi. You're still probably saying it. Yeah, I, I know I am. I'm American. <laughs> I'm, um, and a Christmas tree lot in the Bay Area. From so yeah, he was jail? running that. From yeah. prison? From jail. All from the confines of his prison cell. How? Jinx. Um, he kept getting caught with contraband, pornography, and cell phones. Oh, yeah, and he recently bought a mansion on the coast. But how is he running all this stuff from jail? Oh, well, I mean, he got caught, but yeah, it... But how? I don't know, girl. He he had contraband cell phones. Do you know how long it takes to sign paperwork to get a house? Forever. Especially if they screw up the paperwork and you have to do it twice. I'm not not still billionaire. But... Oh, no. It still takes that long because yeah. you still got to close on the house. Of, There's paperwork. That paperwork's like this thick. It's a ton. How? Oh, man. You might have less paperwork if you're going to pay out of pocket, but I have you an, still have paperwork to transfer ownership. I have an aneurysm. In March of 2022, Frederick Newhall Woods IV, now 70 years old, was approved for parole. And... Get this, many people, including some of the victims even, who were kids at the time of the bus jack, supported his parole. Why? And no, I did not get into the story because I had to pay like $5 a month and I don't want to pay that right now. And no, they didn't give me a free month. But essentially- I guess I get the sense that they were kids. He was also a kid. He's he probably showed remorse and he's 70 years old. Yeah. How many kids can he really kidnap at once? Yeah, but I don't see, I don't see remorse. Like prison didn't phase him. He's still like, I don't even know. He's still doing shit like shady stuff. I guess that's true. Whether or not it's like technically shady, he's still in prison doing stuff he's not supposed to be doing. So what did he learn? I don't exactly know when this, when he was running the used car dealership and the Christmas tree lot, um, or was caught using contrabands, I just know that it came out in 2021 that he was using it. Like, it came out publicly. So it could have literally been, you know, like, the first 10 years of his prison sentence. He's been in jail for, let's see, he was sent there in 78, so... Hey Siri, what's 2022 minus 1978? Less than 50 years. 44 years. And he was how old when he went to jail? Prison? Whatever? Um, he was probably 20, about 26. No, he knew better. It's not enough. Oh yeah. yeah. He, he kidnapped almost better. 30 people. No. He was 24 at the no. time. Mm-hmm. He should have stayed in jail. Oh, he was just, he got everything he wanted. Of course. 
his daddy, his mama gave him everything he wanted. He was rich. He could do anything he wanted. That's what he, that's the entire reason why he plans this in the first place, why he was the mastermind behind it, because he literally believed that he could get anything he wanted. He was obsessed with cars. He wanted his car now. He wanted the five million, so he was going to take it. He didn't plan to spend it for seven years. That's all. He couldn't have got the. That's essentially what James said in his notes, but I'm not 100% sure if Fred would have agreed to that, if that makes sense. Well, it sounds like if it was in the notes, it was the plan. I don't know. Amazing. They can kick rocks, all three of them. Yeah. And they're ugly. Um, I'm glad that y'all liked my story. I told y'all you would love it. Shut up, Bri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not, let's not talk about this. It's like we don't talk about Bruno. Who's Bruno? Bruno? Oh, you guys haven't seen that new Disney movie? No, but we got Disney Plus now, so. It's a cute one. Oh, you should, you, watch should it. you should watch like Wait, all the. Okay. No. Before you watch any of the new Disney movies, you have to watch all of the old with Annie. No. Yes. She has to be a In fan Kanto? of all the new and the old. You realize she can be a we're fan of We're obviously going exactly. to watch those because I grew up with those. Right. Okay. There you go. Thanks for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. If you would like to follow us, follow us on Facebook. At- we still have another. I know. Another story. I know. Okay. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys my story. It's fine. No, girl, I'm excited for Me it. Too. Let's go. I was just doing that because Craig was done. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll be done too. See you later. <laughs> JK. Hey, this story caused me a lot of stress too. And it's it's not even that it's a stressful story. It's that a... <sighs> My dad suggested this one because he said it would creep him out. Okay. And I can't figure out how. <laughs> okay, so let's... Uh, he was probably just fucking on. with let's you. Let's get into the, the mind of no, the, he was, the master here. He was dead serious. He was like dead serious. I. All right, so we're gonna get into these guys. Um, so we're gonna be talking about leprechauns today. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said yay in a very high pitched voice. You probably didn't want to hear it, so I'm glad that you didn't. Leprechauns are. I don't know what it is. Apparently, they creep my dad out. He said something about little people creep him out. I don't think he's talking about like. You know, a typical Dwarfism. little person. Yeah. I don't think that's what he's referring to. So I, I'm still confused because I didn't find anything creepy about leprechauns. Well, obviously, okay. it's from episode one. <laughs> it was, I don't It was know. a crackhead in a tree. That's what creeped me out. <laughs> yes, remember that. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, so we're going to talk about leprechauns. I'm going to question why my dad thinks they're creepy the entire time but whatever um so leprechauns are an irish folklore they're not considered mythology they're very very seldom referenced in irish mythology but they're heavily featured in folklore so they're known as like the little men that in modern modern times guard treasure at the end of the rainbow like you know they're pot of gold now i'm going to talk about a little bit of history for leprechauns 
They're, again, they're typically described as little bearded men that partake in mischief. Like, who wouldn't enjoy them? Uh, one of the earliest... Your dad, dad. would enjoy them because he was a cop and he doesn't like mischief. Boom. But my dad causes mischief, so... <laughs> does he just not want competition? Yeah, exactly. Makes sense. I don't, I don't know. So he wants to get rid of all the leprechauns because he doesn't like them. They cause mischief. He doesn't like it because he's the only one in the world who can cause mischief. He said they creep him out. I don't know. We're going to go on. So one of the earliest references to leprechauns actually appears in a medieval tale known as Enchantra Fergus Macleti, which translates to the adventure of Fergus' son and Letty. So in this writing, it features Fergus Mac Letty King of Ulster falling asleep on a beach. He wakes up to find himself being dragged to the water by three leprechauns. He is somehow able, maybe that's what creeps my dad out, I don't know. He's somehow able to get free and he captures the three leprechauns and they go on to grant him three wishes in exchange for their release. Like three each or one a piece? I think one a piece. So what are the wishes? I didn't go into that. Um, I'm kind of curious. So uh, another writer, William Butler Yeats, uh, an Irish poet, goes on to classify them as solitary fairies. And uh, basically, he's referring to them as solitary fairies. They are not typically found in large groups. They're small groups or alone. Now, leprechauns are depicted as little men. There are no women. One theory explains uh, the fact that there are no women uh, or the issue with procreation is that leprechauns are actually unwanted or deformed children of fairies. And so they would be abandoned by the fairy community. And so it would make the leprechauns. But then wouldn't there also be women if they were deformed and not necessarily. So only the men in Fairyland are deformed. Are they always old? I guess so. Well, they got to be born sometime. Young leprechauns. Yes. Yes, actually, I go into that. Well, a little bit. I I talk about what they do as they age. Anyways. So that's one theory, and that that theory also could explain why they're considered grouchy and untrusting, um, which, I mean, I'd be grouchy if I got abandoned. Um, the appearance of leprechauns, it can vary based on time or location. So prior to the 20th century, uh, leprechauns were typically donned in red clothing. In 1831, an Irish songwriter, Samuel Lover, wrote... Quite a bow in his dress, notwithstanding, for he wears a red square coat, square cut coat, richly laced with gold, and inexpensive of the same cocked hat, shoes, and buckles. So he wrote that in 1831. Um, according to that poet we talked about, William Yeats, um, these solitary creatures, they wore red jackets, um, and typically trooping creatures or grouping feature creatures were known to wear green, so it didn't make sense for them to wear green. Um, the jacket they wore had seven rows of seven buttons, and each row of buttons had seven buttons. So a total of 49 but- buttons on their oh. jacket. I did how the math did, for How you. long did it take them to take that off? They never take it off. They live in it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 49 buttons? Yeah, I, I would too. I would shower in it. 49, bu- 49 buttons on the jacket. 49 buttons on the jacket. 
pop one off. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the more West Coast adaptations. Wait, I just I just be- finished your song for you. You pop one off. Pop one off. Forty eight days to take the jacket off. <laughs> oh, God. That's too long to take a jacket yeah. off, guys. Just rip off those buttons. Just get a zipper. Um, I'll get. I'll, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. I'll get you a zipper or a hoodie. So, um, in the more Western adapt adapt adaptations, meaning like West Coast of Ireland, they could be seen wearing a frieze, which is just basically an overcoat over their red jacket, and they would wear a cocked hat. And they were considered mischievous creatures. Um, and what's funny is he explains that when they were up to a special type of mischief, they could be seen le- leaping onto walls spinning while balancing themselves on the point of the hat with his heels in the air. He's a top? (laughs) Yeah, but that's when they're up to special nonsense. (laughs) According to author D.R. McAnally, his version of what he considered to be the universal leprechaun is that they were three feet tall, dressed in a little red jacket, red breeches that were buckled at the knee, gray hair, black stockings, wore a hat, they had an Elizabethan ruff on their neck, frills of lace at their wrist, and if they were on the West Coast, they would lose the frills and wear an overcoat instead. Um, and they had an old, withered-looking face. Um, in another poem called The Leprechaun from an 18th century Irish poet, William Allingham, he describes them as wrinkled, wizened, bearded elves with spectacles, a pointed nose, silver, silver buckles on their hose, a leather apron, and a shoe in their lap. Now, the shoe in their lap is because leprechauns are often known to be, like, the shoemakers for the fairy right, kind. Okay. And so, and you guys they're can go cobbless. into the first picture. Yep, they're cobblers. Uh, and a couple more regional descriptions. The northern leprechaun, or logherryman, they wore a military red coat with white breeches, a broad-brimmed, high-pointed hat, on which he would sometimes stand upside down. Uh, the Oh, God, I should have freaking Googled these words. Luragadon. I don't know how the hell to say that. Or Tipperary. Tipperary. Of Tipperary. They wore an antique slash jacket of red with peaks all around the jockey cap. Also sported a sword, which he used as a magic wand. What? Why don't you just Um, get a magic wand? Why would you use a sword (laughs) as a magic wand? Because now he can stab people with it, too. So, yeah, and they're leprechauns because they're cool like that. They use it for Why can't it purpose. be multi-purpose? Exactly. That just seems... Two birds, one stone. Because that just seems dangerous. What if you're trying to do good magic and you're like, let me clean my house. I, I don't know, about a cadaver. And then, like, you're now you got a hole in the wall. That's the wrong thing. <laughs> well, you do it in um, the middle of also- the room, girl. You don't do it right near a wall where you could stab the wall. <laughs> You also the don't do spell. A, uh, one of the forbidden curses. Yeah. <laughs> that that was the only one that come to mind because of all the TikToks where people are like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The Lurikawain, Lurikon, Lurikon of Carrie. Um, they basically said it was a fat, pursy little fellow whose jolly round face rivals in redness and a cutaway jacket he wears. That he always has seven rows of seven buttons in each row. And then another adaptation, the uh, Clerical Wayne of Monaghan. 
wore a, so they say that they wore a swallowtailed evening coat of red with a green vest, uh, white breeches, black stockings, shiny shoes, and a long cone hat without a brim, sometimes used as a weapon. So there's, there's those different regional descriptions. So the sword is a wand and the hat is a weapon. In different no. regions, yes. Episode... So if they have the sword, they Episode don't have 29 the is giving like me it's a It's one or the other. But have you ever seen Harry Potter hat? You know, Sorting like the, the grouch, you know, he can like sit up as straight as he, yeah. He can, you know, sit up as straight as he wants. And then like, you know, you could easily just poke somebody with that. Wouldn't really be used as a deadly weapon, but, you know. Well, maybe the leprechauns have one made out of steel when it comes to a yeah. really sharp point. I don't know. Like, let them be them, okay? Okay. Now, the modern image of a leprechaun, it, they're depicted as sitting on a toadstool with a red beard, green clothing, green hat. Um, likely the green is coming from um, green being the traditional national color of Ireland or the Irish color in everyone's minds. Uh, it could also be more that it's stereotypical or stereotypes based on derogatory 19th century caricatures. Um, so that's probably why we have that modern interpretation. In film, television, and advertising, uh, leprechauns bear very little resemblance to the actual traditional fo folklore that they come from. So there's that. Um, leprechauns are believed to live in areas of woodland and forest, and they're considered to be very fast and mischievous little creatures. Now let's talk about their riches, their pot of gold. So the question is, how do they get this pot of gold, right? Have you ever wondered? Actually, yes. At the end of the rainbow, Where they... there's always no, a no, no. Pot how do they get it? To it. There, because there's always a random pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Right, but the leprechaun guards that yes, pot of gold. They are assigned to it once they reach leprechaun hood. Once they grow their beard, once they grow their beard, they are assigned a gold pot of gold at yeah. the end of the rainbow yeah <laughs> so how do they get their pot of gold there's a couple theories so the first one well leprechauns are believed to be the cobblers for other fairies so they make all their shoes so a lot of people will say they always have a hammer in one hand and a shoe in the other Wait, um but since you said that they were disowned from fairies are they the shoe cobblers or are they the or are they disowned could be both just because they're abandoned doesn't mean they can't make shoes for the fairies. They gotta make a, a living for themselves. And fairies need shoes. Kind of true, okay. I guess. Yeah, fairies do need shoes because they, they yeah. dance a lot. So they wear through their shoes yeah, really fast. <laughs> and that actually makes the leprechauns very wealthy. <laughs> because they're um, high demand. And that's where they get their for good cobbler. Gold. Yeah, that makes sense. That's one okay, theory. So they're guarding their own gold. Yeah. Uh, another theory is that the leprechauns' occupation is that they're actually the bankers of the fairy world. And so they're actually safeguarding other people's or other fairies' pot of gold. Uh, my question with that, is that just one fairy's pot of gold? Is that multiple? And if you have to give it away because you've been caught or something, are you penalized? Yeah, How does this work? Point. I are they FCC certified uh, or whatever, like most banks are nowadays? I think they're LFCC oh, certified. So that is great. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> um, the final theory is that, uh, where am I? Is that the fairies will grant the leprechaun one gold coin for each year of their life. And since leprechauns can live for hundreds of years, 
the older they are, their bigger their pot of gold becomes. So you want to find, in this theory, you want to find the oldest wizened leprechaun you can find if you're going to find a pot of gold. Wizened? Right? I like wizened. it. Wizened. <laughs> um, leprechauns are known, so those are all the theories I could find about why they have a pot of gold. Um, they're known to be very mischievous creatures. I've already said that. Typically more prankster-like, but I mean, they're harmless for the most part. Uh, it is said that they live for about 300 to 500 years. And the older they get, the more tricks they play. Oh. So the older ones are more mischievous because, you know, end of life, might Throw as well. caution to the wind. Who's going to stop him? Yeah. They've lived their life. Uh, they are considered to be closely related to Clericon and Fardaring. Fardarig. Fardarig. Uh, I didn't do any research on what the Fardarig is. But the Clericon is very similar to a leprechaun. So similar, in fact, that a lot of people just think the Clericon? Clericon. Sorry, Clericon. Um, They often consider that to just be a leprechaun who's gone on a drinking spree. (laughs) (laughs) Stories of the Clericon include them emptying out a wine cellar in a single night. Um. And harnessing livestock and riding them around Ireland in the night. This honestly sounds like a party. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so um, some theories about that is that the Clericon is actually the leprechaun in their night form. So kind of like a a wear leprechaun. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So So, do they only come out during the full moon? I said kind of like every night, Brie. They got to go party at those wine cellars. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, they're considered to be very difficult to catch. They're freaking fast as crap. They're freaking, they're crazy, okay? Um, even when you, um, even when they're caught, you have to keep your eye on them at all times. You can't blink, can't look away, nothing like that. Because if you do, there's a chance that that leprechaun will just, goodbye, and just disappear. But if you do manage to cap- catch a leprechaun, you may be granted three wishes. I want three wishes. So, uh, Wait a careful minute. though. They're tricky little That sh- guy got gypped. If he That's- if you get three wishes from catching one leprechaun and he caught three, but he only got three wishes, is that them being mischievous? They took him for a ride. Oh, they could have been extra mischievous with him. Poor guy. Like, if I were a leprechaun, I'd have been like, yeah, sure, go for mine. Let's see what we can do here. Because they might try to tr- trick you. So one, some of the ways they might try to deceive you. First of all, they might try to get you to do a fourth wish. Don't do it, guys. If you catch a leprechaun, don't take the fourth wish. Because if you do it, all your other wishes are voided. What if you make the fourth one, like, oh. worth it? I think it's going to void the fourth one as oh. well. Like, you can't be greedy oh, God, is what I'm okay. saying. So don't do it. Um, also, you have to be extra nice to them. Like super extra nice. Because if you're mean, they might twist your wishes a little bit. So they'll try to make them worse for you than better. So if you, an example is if you wish to be as strong as an ox, they might just turn you into an ox. <laughs> if you wish to swim as fast as a shark, they might just turn you into a shark. What so, if I wished to be the fastest Olympic swimmer? 
they probably would turn you into something you're not expecting. You would get disqualified for smoking weed. What? Yes. If I, I don't smoke weed. You would get an addiction to some sort of something. Okay. What if I wish to be myself right now and I want to be the strongest swimmer, fastest swimmer in the Olympics? You would be a fish. I you would still be a fish. You would just be a fish with your personality. Uh-huh. But then communicate to anybody. Listen. Listen. It's just don't be mean to the leprechauns, okay? Because if you're nice, they'll just kind of like grant you the exact three wishes you're looking for and be like, have a jolly day, bye. Tip their hat, then, give you a but pot then of gold. How are you nice to them after when you kidnap them? Do you just like give them food, give them water, you know, like make sure that they're doing okay, ask them how their day is. Because I feel like you really can't be nice if you kidnap someone, you know? I mean, I still feel like you can be nice to someone, even if you're holding them hostage. Technically, I hold my dogs hostage daily, and I'm still nice to them. So. Fair. So what you're saying is that I should get a young leprechaun, kidnap him, make sure I keep an eye on him at all times, and be super duper duper nice to him. To make sure that he's not going to be mischievous in my three wishes. That sounds that sounds hard. Probably, yeah. I bet the young ones are the fast ones. Probably like, like lizards. Ones. But she said that the older ones are the more mischievous ones. So I don't want to catch an older one. I want to. I want to be like, okay, I don't even care about the three wishes. But can you tell me the most mischievous thing you've done? I'm ready. Oh, wait, yeah, <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah tell me everything i'll be like we'll do one together let's think of something let's pull a prank who do you like the least and it can't be me it has to be someone else so we'd have a grand old time so those are my facts about leprechauns they're not super crazy so are you seeing why i'm struggling to see why my dad thinks they're creepy they sound great they really do sound great like they sound like a party and a half (laughs) um so we're going to get into some sightings Ooh, of okay. leprechauns. So Pat O'Leary, in 1884, there's an older report um, of him. I don't really remember what I was supposed to type there. I have Pat O'Leary and is an older report. I have no <laughs> idea what I was trying to say. But Pat O'Leary, in 1884, reports that he saw a little leprechaun standing just about 15 inches tall. Probably a younger one. Um, he was along a rural road, so he's like, I'm gonna chase this guy. <laughs> Mistake number one. Um, so he chases him and he notices that the leprechaun is remarkably quick and agile for its size, but Pat still keeps up. Because, you know, it's it's Pat O'Leary. Um, and he chased it into a clearing, but it vanishes. And so now he's looking for it. Mistake number two. And he's suddenly pelted in the forehead by a ball of mud which would uh, later leave a, a mole behind on his forehead. And uh, I guess the leprechaun didn't appreciate being chased. So for sure, if he caught that leprechaun, there was no, no three wishes he was going to actually get. Uh, in 1989... He got a mole. I don't think that would be his wish. Well, no, but at least he has something to show for it. I would wish Maybe for the mud just stained his head because it took him so long to wash it off. Maybe he just didn't wash it off because this was back in the days before Dove soap. It's a 
if it was on the back of his head, how would he even know? It wasn't know the back. It was there? his forehead. Oh, it was. Um. So. Uh, well, there you go. In 1989, a pub landlord called PJ O'Hare in Claringford County, uh, he, this is in Ireland, he claims that he heard screams from a well and he found the remains and clothing of a leprechaun, which is on display at his pub now. You can go into that next picture. Um, and the, na- the town now actually has an annual leprechaun, leprechaun hunt, and the object of the game is to find plastic versions of the fabled creature. So that's, that's a party and a half there. That's um, awesome. How do they know they are remains of a leprechaun? They glitter. I'm trusting yeah, PJ O'Hare. You see how small that it could just though. Okay, but it could have just been you know like someone with dwarfism. But they're not fifteen inches tall. That's still really small. Like if we get a full grown skeleton and it's only fifteen inches tall, I would put my money on leprechaun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another sighting we've already talked about, so I'm not going to cover it. The Crichton leprechaun. Crack it in a tree. That one's fine. <laughs> um, so if you want to listen to that, that's episode one. So if you're listening backwards, just skip over to episode one for more details on that one. Um, another report is two teenage sisters and their younger brother return from a walk with their dog. So they're walking their dog and they meet, uh, they encounter a meeting they had with this. Oh, sorry, not encounter. They recount a meeting they had with a little creature in the ancient woods. And Mary O'Neill, one of the sisters, 17, year old, 17 years old, she states, We were walking out Gypsy, our golden retriever, and when we came across this tiny little man, he was no more than three feet tall with a long, a big long beard, and he was sitting on a small stone, um, stone step while mending a pair of shoes. He was dressed in a funny sort of top hat and knee-length breeches, and on his feet he had the shiniest brogues I've ever seen. As soon as he saw us, he ran away, shouting, You'll not get me gold, so you won't. <laughs> then he simply disappeared in a flash. That's my favorite. I don't even have to hear the rest of them. That's my favorite. <laughs> okay, I'll move on to the end. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You'll not get me gold. <laughs> You'll not get me gold. Um, another man tells a story that, so he retells it. It was his father's story originally. And he states his father didn't really talk about it. It was kind of like one of those hush-hush things. You only talk about it in the family. And so this brave soul brought it outside of this family. Okay. So he says that his father was living in this rural village, had a population of about 100 people at the time. Um, He'd walk home alone from school quite frequently. It was a regular thing. And one day on his father's way home from school, just before he got to his home, he saw what he called a wee wee fella sitting on the side of the road. The lad was tiny. Precious. (laughs) Yes. So he, the dad then always gestures to like a height of about two feet to say how tall he was. And he stated he was wearing a tweed vest and all, a hat, had red hair, and he was sitting making leather shoes. No big deal. So his dad starts walking up to the creature. And when he got about three meters away, he wasn't able to move any closer because there was like an invisible barrier. So he couldn't push past. And he said the leprechaun was unfazed, didn't even look up. He was busy doing his profession he's got to make that that gold so he sprints home to get his aunt and his sisters but by the time they all got out there the creature was gone 
Another person claims that when they were a young school kid, they saw a leprechaun. They were attending the Bray Street School, and during this time, leprechauns could be seen popping in and out of the school's window. Um, so there were about four of them, and all four were tiny. Um, they were dressed like the school book idea of the typical gnome. Um, they still believe they were leprechauns. And they sat swinging their leg- legs on the window ledge, getting in and out, just boop, boop, having a grand old time at school. Um, later on in life, the same person states that they did see more. They said they were in Kensington Fields in early July of 1964. At around 4.30 p.m., they were on their way to play football with their friends, and that's when they saw them. Uh, They said that uh, they were men that were standing in the field. They stood just a few inches tall, dressed in red and black, and at least one of them had a hat on. Um, They were just looking at him, and he panicked, and so he sprints home. He tells his mom, and his mom says something about reports of leprechauns in the area, uh, leprechauns and little men the day before. (laughs) So, at least his mom's like, yeah, there were reports of that. Interesting that on the news actually now that you bring that yeah. up yeah interesting you're fine though just go play with your friends um in that same year there was a woman who lived nearby and she claimed to have seen three little men wearing green sitting on a wall uh throwing rocks at her barking dog uh she sees one of them climb up a tree and uh, <laughs> that's about it she does say that it was really weird because that same area that same year they saw several ufo sightings um she doesn't know if there's a connection but she did think it was an odd coincidence leprechauns are ufos they are aliens leprechauns are aliens exactly sure uh you heard it here first there are also a ton of other accounts of people seeing leprechauns throwing rocks or sods of earth at one another or at the witness um, another friend or another person writes in about their friends' experiences. So they have two friends that are like, I'm out and outing these friends. I'm telling them these experiences. And I'm like, ma'am, sir, please stop telling everyone your friend's business. But thank you for telling me your friend's business. So their first friend, Mike, the police officer. He's out on patrol driving around town. He's driving down a road with tall grass on either side of it. And he's like seemingly out of nowhere. He thinks he sees an animal coming out of the grass on his left. I'm sorry, that was the wrong side. On his left. So he tries to slow down. As he's trying to slow down, he realizes it's not an animal, but it's a small, bald, dirty man. (laughs) And he's like, it's dressed in ragged clothes. It's probably two feet tall. And this little man just shoots out of the grass. And Mike couldn't stop fast enough. So he did end up hitting the little man. The little man flew up in the air. (laughs) Oh, no. no yet. So Mike jumps out of his car because he's like, oh, my God, I've just committed manslaughter, little manslaughter. Um, And where am I? Um, He notices that it has a reddish brown hair at this point. And then the little man begins to scream, followed by evil laughter. And it hops up and runs into the grass on the right side of the road. Mike runs after him. Maybe this is the story that creeps my dad out. I don't know. So, wait, maybe my dad is Mike. Dad, is that you? Are we? Was that just a pseudonym? Did you hit a man? Do you have something you need to tell us? So, Mike runs after it, but all he heard the rest of the time was just like an, what he describes as an evil mocking laugh. 
So Mike gets back to the police station and everyone's like, he's visibly shaken. Um, witnesses are like, he was pale white. He could barely choke out his story. Mike works with a bunch of dudes and police officers and they're haunting the crap out of him. They're like, oh, sure, you hit a leprechaun. Sure, sure. And <laughs> Mike is so sincere and shaken that he ends up within a couple of days telling the police chief that he was about to quit the force because he can do it. Uh, the chief, who's like believed him, was like, all right, all right, made the other police officers stop so he wouldn't quit. And then even going down the road, the person that sent in this story says she heard that story originally from the p- police chief, who was her ex's father. But she ended up meeting Mike in person and he told the same story. So um, she did state, he or she did state that um, when asked about the story today, Today, Mike will still show signs of stress when retelling the story, um, but he does retell it. So there's that. Now, her second friend, Susan, was living in a rural farmhouse that was apparently haunted. Um, One morning, Susan comes to school and she tells the person that sent this in um, that she had seen a leprechaun in the hallway of her house the night before. And she's like, well, I could tell it scared my friend Susan. And so she's asking, have you ever seen it before? And Susan's like, yeah, I've seen it like out of the corner of my eye before. And so, and she says, Susan says she's heard rustling noises out in the hallway. um, And she gets out of bed to see it. And so this is the night that she sees it like full on. So she hears these rustling noises out in the hallway, gets out of bed to go see it. And in the corner of the hall, she sees a small man, approximately two feet tall in dirty clothes with red hair. Um, Susan freezes in fear. She doesn't like it. And then the man disappears. Um, she continues to see him out of the corner her, of her eye for about like a six month period at all hours of the day. She does draw a picture of what she had seen, but they were like nine at this time. So I don't know how great of a picture. And the pictures has since been lost. So there's that one. Um, in 2004, Kirk W. claims that he and his wife are driving back from visiting family. Uh, they were driving along a wooded road. And all of a sudden, two frantic women flagged them down. And these women, so Kirk pulls over thinking, oh, my God, they broke down. There's something wrong. But no, these women have got a story. Um, And they tell him they're driving along the road when six or seven tiny little men with floppy hats, beards, and shaggy clothing had come out of the forest, which caused them to slam on their brakes. Three of the little men came charging toward the car as if they were, like, challenging the car. Another had jumped onto the hood of the vehicle and jumped up and down on it while scowling at the women. And they said this went on for about two minutes before the little men either calmed down or got bored. And they just kind of went off into the wilderness. Um, Kirk did go in to investigate the scene of this supposed encounter. And he didn't see the leprechauns himself, but he did see movement in the bush he could not explain. Now, some people argue that this sighting was gnomes and not leprechauns. Uh, another Reddit used user by Snickers Cowboy. I like it. These Reddit names. They have an encounter, a menacing encounter with a leprechaun. So they have a menacing encounter with a leprechaun uh, that he thinks might have somehow been tied to his late stepfather, who was of Irish ancestry. So he says that the two of them never really got along. And in his story, he goes into more background that I just didn't care about. He just know that him and his stepfather didn't get along. Um, 
he was very disrespectful when talking about him after his death, uh, which was maybe the reason for the bizarre experience he goes on to have. So there's one night he's laying in bed with his wife at around 3 a.m. And that day he had been very vocal about his dislike for his late stepfather for most of the evening. And so him and his wife laying in bed, all of a sudden the room lights up, the bedroom door flies open, a male figure left about six feet from the door on top of him. And he said it was very small. It felt very weightless. Um, it was dressed in really old fashioned black clothes, like, like a funeral bearer, bearer from Sherlock Holmes. It had a twisted, angry face, but uh, most prominent was bright orange curly hair and sideburns. The creature said some words that he couldn't actually hear because he's um, uh, hearing impaired, but he could see its mouth moving. Then he lifted a short black twisted stick into the air. It was thin on the bottom, heavy on the top. He brought it down, but before it actually hit him, he opened his eyes wider and it vanished. And then Snickers Cowboy lays there fully awake for a while, wondering what the F actually happened. And he says he wasn't really scared. Bullshit. Uh, But there, there was no sign or evidence of what happened when he got up. So he's like, listen, if that was a dream, that was the most realistic and vivid dream I have ever had. So not a fan of that dream. So those are all of the encounters that I have. There are so many, though. I just picked some at random. Uh, now, a professor, David Murphy, who is um, a folklorist. He actually talks about leprechaun sightings. And so he speaks to the media and he says, "Um, we have been aware for quite some time of an increase in leprechaun sightings throughout Ireland. Leprechauns, or the little people as we call them, have long been considered extinct, but apparently not so. Our current thinking is that they may have simply gone into a mass hibernation during the 1920s, around the time of the formation of the state. It is believed they may have been sleeping underground in densely wooded areas, but perhaps due to global warming, have recently begun to emerge. So they're just really hibernating. Now, Murphy goes on to explain that with the formation of their state, uh, there was a thriving underground business where unscrupulous farmers would trap and catch leprechauns. And he goes on to state, these were then smuggled to America, where they were forced into acting in the then emerging Hollywood film industry. It totally decimated the indigenous leprechaun population and perhaps explains why they were forced into hiding. I am surmising that since the advent of computer generated imagery um, in the film industry, the need for real leprechaun simply does not exist anymore. Wait. (laughs) Wait. This guy thinks this guy thinks that leprechauns are almost extinct because Hollywood forced them to act in movies. Oh, I totally forgot. No, I, what movies? I have no idea. I totally forgot. I also have a movie for you guys. You have a what for us? I've got a little video of of leprechauns caught on tape. Oh my god! That I was going to show you guys. Hold on, I've got to start the screen. Are you okay? You're gonna have to tell me if you, you don't have to hear it. It's just like some really annoying, eerie music. So I'm gonna leave it muted so I can hear your reactions. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, what is the final minute of that? It was like their thank yous and stuff. 
<laughs> what did you guys think of those? Uh, it's a little hard to believe. Okay, but the walking cat man. That looked I don't weird. know. It looked like there were two sticks or something that po- kind of popped up in front of it. They just, they all... Okay, that first one was... I don't know what to... But the second two looked like they could have potentially be created. To yeah. Me. The third or the last one just looked like a kid running across to me, but mm-hmm. people believe it. So, um, all right. So leprechauns are now considered to be protected species under the European law. Huh? For real? Yeah. Uh, it was granted by the European European Union. Uh, to the supposed 236 leprechauns that are living today in Carlingford Mountain. Um, Do they know how many leprechauns? Do they tag them? Do they, like, catch them and put the ear tags? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, There's also an official leprechaun colony in Portland, Oregon. And it is located at Mills Ends Park, which is recognized in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's smallest park. Measuring just two square feet. I was, and that's say, the final picture. Yeah, these pictures. I was gonna say it almost looks like a dollhouse or something. Oh, I was dying at that. But yeah, and what's even better about these pictures is that I was reading about that park, and it's been physically moved several times. Yeah, because it's two square feet. I mean, <laughs> just move it. For that's kind of cool. So now with all of this being said, I think I have found a vacation for us that my dad cannot wholeheartedly object to. I think, so you guys remember that PJ O'Hare with the skeleton? Mm-hmm. I think we go to that celebration one year. And oh, go on yes. their celebratory leprechaun hunt. I'm down for that. I thought you were going to say we go to this park, but I don't think we could all fit in it at the same time. <laughs> Maybe one foot all yeah. at the same time. Yeah, we'll no, take we the can, old school MySpace pictures. We can totally do like both. So we'll go to Portland, Oregon, do our picture with our feet in it. You know, no big deal. I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to step in it. It's got one tree. We can hover. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we'll fly out to Ireland and then we'll go party it up. And I'm going to say when I looked at PJ O'Hare's menu, look damn good. So good. But he's got the skeleton and the coins and all the goodies that he found with it all scattered around it. (laughs) Uh, Let's go. I'm down. Let's go tomorrow. So I think, I think, I can't promise anything, but I think that might be one my dad approves of. We're not hunting anything because they're plastic figurines, dad. Like we're not actually hunting leprechauns. We're just there for the party. But he doesn't like leprechauns. He's scared of them. I think dead. he's losing his mind. Yeah, it is dead. Yeah, it's dead and deceased. I mean, it's, I it's dead and decomposed. It. Yeah, we're fine, Dad. It's fine. We're going to go to Ireland. You're invited, Dad. And we're also going to go to Mill Ends Park. Got us all planned for us. So that's, that's what you guys have. That is leprechauns. Any, any further questions, comments, or concerns? I like that one, but I'm um, not really creeped out, except where they attacked her car. And where they attacked him in his sleep. Yeah, that one too. And when they were dragging him to the ocean. Yeah, why? What, what are you going to do? Why are you going to do that? Feed him to the fishes? I don't know. So there you have it. I, uh... I love leprechauns. I love it. 
I enjoyed that story. I struggled with it for a long time because I was like, Dad, what is so creepy about them? And I've I've looked. Like, I've literally typed in creepy leprechauns. There is a movie about leprechauns that's creepy, so maybe it's that. But I haven't watched it, and that's not what leprechauns are. So they're just the jolly old good time type people. No, that movie uh, traumatized genius. me as a child. It's such a good movie. Pet Cemetery. No, it's called Wait, Leprechaun. Oh my god, not Pet Cemetery. Why has that been on my brain? It's just Leprechaun, yeah. There's like a couple of them, I think. Some remakes and stuff. Yeah. I have no idea. But, Dad, if you would like to call and explain to me why they creep you out, that would be really insightful, I'm sure. Because I'm confused. Maybe you didn't get all the information this time, Bryce. Maybe there are some creepy lep. Maybe your dad has some creepy leprechaun stories. I don't think so. I literally Googled like 10 times in different ways. Creepy leprechauns, scary leprechauns. Why are leprechauns creepy? Why are leprechauns scary? How can leprechauns be creepy? How can they be scary? I've done everything. I cannot figure it out. Because the only results I was coming up with was the leprechauns movie. Yeah, it's got to be the movie then. Because that thing was scary. I don't know. I don't want to know. So there you have it. We're going to plan our next vacay to Ireland. All right. I'm glad you guys appreciated that one. It was um, more lighthearted than what I've been doing. This was, a, I liked this episode. This was good. Breeze was frustrating. <laughs> Mine was frustrating for me, but that's just because I'm like, I don't, dad, why? <laughs> Anyways, thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast. Facebook, Hell on Heels Podcast, Twitter at Hell on Heels Pod, or by searching, <clears throat> well, I'm sorry, you can also find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels Podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe. I know it's a tall order, but do that on your preferred listening platform. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for Patreon. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or just words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at, uh, hell at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen. And this has been Hell on Heels Podcast. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye.